0: This is VLX number 109, Jesus Heals a Boy with a Demon. This is Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina, the only Patristic Bible Study and Ignatian Prayer Series online. God give you his peace. In omni pati spiritu santi, amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, and kneeling before him said, Lord have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you, How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, a real quick plug for my friend's book. Father Jeffrey Jambon wrote a book called Ignatian Meditations, and he's actually a lot better than me at these Ignatian Meditations. He has a whole series on census fidelium. I'd encourage you to listen to it. Only difference about my series is we're going through every verse of the Bible where he kind of takes you as St. Ignatius of Loyola, bouncing around the life of Jesus, but uh, he's got a whole series on census fidelium. He's better at the Ignatian uh, way than than myself. Uh, so if you want, you could also just continue with my series and buy his book, Ignatian Meditations by Father Jeffrey Jambon. He didn't ask me to do this. I just know uh, it's going to be a great book, even though I haven't read it, but I have listened to all of his series on, Saint, on census fidelium, and it is a great series. Remember, the cataphatic way of prayer is filling the mind using the imagination. That's the way of St. Teresa of Avila and St. Ignatius of Loyola. That's the book. That's the uh, type of meditation that uh, Father Jambon gives meditations on in his book. And then the apophatic way of prayer, that's maybe we could say a little bit more dry. It's the drier way of mental prayer where you empty your mind and then you just turn over and over and over in your brain, in your heart for 30 minutes, just one verse Maybe just a couple words, and then you kind of chew on those words the rest of the day. Uh, But even in that, it has to be churning in your heart more than your brain. In other words, all of this is to lead you to love, not just cool insights in the Greek. Yes, I include the Greek to lead you to a love of the Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible. Um, But really, and I'm going to read you some sections from uh, that pre-Vatican II Carmelite book called Divine Intimacy. I'm going to show you through Divine Intimacy why the whole goal of mental prayer is, as St. Teresa of Abilus said, not to think much, but to love much. We're going to talk about that next time. Okay, now you know I rarely do this, but on today's section of this boy, this boy who has a demon and uh, Jesus kicks the demon out of him, I rarely read from another synoptic gospel because I want to focus on Matthew for this year. Uh, but I do want to look at Mark because it gives another view of the, of the exact same boy. In fact, Father Lapidus says this boy with the demon in Matthew 17 is the same as Mark 9 and is the same as Luke 9. Now, if you're doing the imaginative way of prayer, I would not, listen, listen closely, I would not picture yourself as the possessed person. Um, I would suggest you picture yourself as a disciple of Jesus, and then the possessed person is someone you do not know in real life. It's just safer that way. Um, picture this possessed person. Really, anytime you're doing the imaginative way of prayer with a possessed person, don't have that be filled by someone you know in real life. Okay, let's take a look at the exact same section in Mark 9. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked him, What are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, And he said to them, this, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Thus again are the words of the Holy Gospel. Now, again, some modern Bible scholars might look at this and say, oh, see, there's a bunch of uh, differences in this. So one of these two is not the inerrant inspired word of God. The easy answer to that is um, that one of the evangelists recorded some parts and the other evangelist recorded other parts. If you listen closely, there's actually no contradictions at least none that I can hear in there. Um, these, are, uh, these can be put together, and it's really the same event. And one person just rec- recounted infallibly, inerrantly, in an inspired way, some parts of the details, and then the other one included other details. Okay, so now let's go through Matthew 17 section, verse by verse today. Verse 14 to 15. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and then into the water. Now the Greek right there for mercy, it's nearly the same two words that we say at Mass. Listen closely. "Kuriē eleison. Lord, have mercy. And then the next three words in the, in the Greek Bible right there is literally my the son or more dynamically translated on my son lord have mercy on my son literally curia son, and i say that six times every time i offer the traditional latin mass right behind me there curia son, i will say six times at the traditional latin mass and then uh, luke we talked about um, mark a little bit earlier let's add what luke says here saint luke says and behold a spirit seizes him and he suddenly cries out it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him okay so this demon in this boy is doing several things to him from the inside it convulses him throws him into fires throws him into bodies of water foams him at the mouth and then the greek in the luke, the greek in luke therefore shatters is suntribo from suntri, or rather it's Suntribon from the Suntribo, which is defined as to crush, to break in pieces, to shatter, to bruise. Quite a visual. Imagine it was your son being shattered by a demon. Would you hesitate to get on your knees and ask the son of God to heal him? Now, verse 15, very, very interesting word here. It's Selnia uh, Selniadzitai, Selniadzitai, I'm actually reading the Greek off my screen here, Selniadzitai in verse 15, it has the word moon in there. Now, how did St. Jerome translate that from the Greek to the Latin? Lunaticus, Lunaticus, you can hear the word luna, the first four letters in the Latin is luna, and then the English actually keeps the same, uh, the same sense of the moon, which is lunatic, Isn't that amazing? So the Greek and the Latin and the English all have the word moon in there. And it all means a lunatic, someone who kind of howls at the moon, literally. Um, So amazingly, our English word lunatic is based on this word moon rooted in the Greek, which is right there in Matthew 17. And really the Latin, where apparently crazy people in ancient times howled at the moon or something. And I can tell you as an ex-paramedic, we really did have more calls at, at full moons. Um, Father Lapide, in this book here, explains kind of some old school medicine on the humors and stuff, which I don't exactly believe. But the fact that Father Lapidae, who will hopefully one day be canonized and is only looking at canonized saints' explanations of the Bible, if even he says things go crazier at the full moon, that's not a superstition. That's, we really do see that in um, emergency medical services. Now, let's look at these two terms, natural and preternatural. It's kind of important for us to understand this, this word in ver- verse 15, Why in the world do we have this word lunatic? But before we jump in, I want to explain the difference between natural and preternatural. A natural problem is a problem that has its root in medicine or its explanation in medicine. A preternatural problem is a problem that has explanation in demons. The natural in a case like we're looking at with this boy, uh, that would be if the boy had seizures or was just psychologically troubled. Um, Obviously, those are very different from each other. Uh, Seizures or psychologically troubled could be a natural explanation. But even more different from those two things that are different would be a preternatural cause of this behavior, namely demons inside the boy. Now, as I pointed out before, modernist Bible scholars say that ancients wrongly believed seizures was possession, and they think all the ancients believed that all psych cases were possessed. But the ancients were not nearly that stupid. Um, the problem is more complex because non-modernist translations, here's where it actually gets more complex, because it's easy for you and me to brush aside the modernist translations, but there's even a little bit of a problem in like the Dewey Rhymes translation and the ESV and the NIV. The problem is that non-modernist translations, in other words, translations I trust in English, they actually believe, and they do believe in the, in the supernatural, but here's where they get it wrong. The Dewey Rhymes Bible and the NIV and the ESV, which I would say are the two most preternatural and supernatural-believing supernatural translations... The translation's a little bit wonky here because the DRB literally translates this as "lunatic." Was this boy a lunatic? Mm, I don't think so. We're gonna see why in a minute. And then the NIV and the ESV just calls these seizures as if this is a natural explanation. Mm, I think that translation lags a little bit. And this is where again, I'm not claiming I would be a better translator than the Douay-Rhymes or the NIV or ESV. But because we have the time in this series to really dissect a single Greek word, in this sense, I can give you a better translation. Um, let's talk about the problems first. The problem is that neither translation captures the fact that this boy's shaking was caused by demons, real live demons. How do I know it's possession and not like craziness, like a lunatic, like the douay Rhymes says, or a medical problem like seizures? It's, the answer to that is because St. Matthew writes a few verses after that, And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was instantly healed. So here's the problem. The Dewey Rhymes Bible is accurate if we understand lunatic as behavior caused by demons, but we don't do that in 2022. And the ESV or the RSVCE or the NIV is correct if we understand seizures as caused by demons, but we don't do that in 2022. Um, So what's the answer? Well, let me say before we get here, that one of the holiest little boys I know, he's an eight-year-old boy, and he has tubules on his... Tubules, I think, is how you pronounce it. It's not tubules. Tubules on his brain, and um, he's never had the normal brain development of a little boy. So he's a baptized eight-year-old boy with no venial sin and no mortal sin on his soul. So he's, he's literally a living saint, this eight-year-old boy I know in Florida. Um, but he has several seizures a day. So that would be an example for you all of... Um, a non-possessed child who has seizures—that's obviously a natural cause, not a preternatural cause. This is a little boy who's a living saint, um, and you can pray for him because he's really having a hard time right now. Um, who's clearly not possessed but still has seizures. Uh, so we have to realize, as we go on in this in this verse, I know we're spending a lot of time on one word, but I want you to get what we're looking at. We have to realize, and this should be obvious to all listeners, not all seizures are caused by demons. Now, on the other side of the same coin, there are certain pathophysiologies in the mind and body that are caused by literal live demons, not physical diseases or traumas. In fact, Father Lapide writes this about um, Muhammad, the founder of Islam. He says, Muhammad, the founder of Muhammadism, who suffered from epilepsy, pretended that he was seized and influenced by the Holy Ghost when he was really possessed by Satan For this reason, even now the Turks venerate persons suffering from epilepsy as though they were under the influence of the Holy Ghost and were prophets, whereas it is actually a disturbance of the humors caused by the moon. Okay, so he's basically saying Muhammad's seizures were caused by demons. Obviously, this is very different from the little boy I told you who's a saint who's having seizures from just natural causes. Now we look at Matthew 17. So how would I translate that Greek word selniazitai? Seleniazitai, or in the Latin, lunaticus. Uh, I would translate it as a possessed flailing about. A possessed flailing about. Seleniazitai. Seleniazitai is the inerrant and infallible word of God. But I think it's been mistranslated to the English, even in good translations, I trust. At least in Matthew 17, 15 today, I would translate it as this possessed flailing about. Now, ultimately... Why am I telling you all this? Because I think it's important we understand this boy wasn't a psych case. He wasn't a lunatic like the DRB implies, and he wasn't having seizures like the ESV implies. It was this possessed flailing about, which means it may have looked like seizures or insane behavior in a boy like he was a lunatic, but it wasn't. It was demons freaking out inside using his body just as parasites use an innocent host. And this is what Jesus will not tolerate today as he rescues this boy. Okay, that was way too much time on the first two verses, so let's go a little bit faster through the subsequent verses. Verse 16. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. Now, that word heal in English is found in the infinitive form in the Greek there, therapeusai. Therapeusai is obviously the root word of our English therapeutic, uh, but again, it's a verb if you want to write it above heal. It's the infinitive. Therapeusai, which we translated into heal. Verse 17, and Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. I think we've talked about this word pistos in Greek before. Pistos in Greek means faith and trust. We've also talked about the alpha privative that is in both Greek and Latin, and I just found out Sanskrit that if you put An A at the front of a word, it negates it. Uh, So for example, in English, aphasia means without speech, or arrhythmia means without a solid rhythm in in cardiology. Okay, so if pistos means faith, then what word do you think Jesus used right there? Apistos is the correct answer because apistos means faithless or without trust. Of course he said that in the Aramaic originally, but the Greek is directly inspired by the Holy Spirit also, so it's extremely important. So the Greek actually is O Genea apistos. O, same in both Greek and English. O. And then Genea or Genea is generation, same root same root word in English. And then apistos. Faithless or untrusting. So faithless and untrusting generation. And also perverse, but we're not gonna jump into that word. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Can I would make this your imaginative prayer? This boy who had a demon that Father Lapide, by the way, says was from one of the more powerful choirs of fallen angels, like it may have been a seraphim or a fallen seraphim or a fallen cherubim. And remember earlier I said that this demon in this boy, it's doing several things to him from the inside. It convulses him. It throws him into fires. It throws him into bodies of water makes him foam at the mouth. And the Greek and Luke even says um, from Suntribon, or Suntribon from the Suntribo, which is defined as to crush, break in pieces, to shatter, to crush, to bruise. I mean, think about this. Imagine it was your son being shattered by a demon. And then Jesus does what? Jesus epitamos. He epitamos the demon. Epitimau, rather. Epitimau means to rebuke, chide, admonish, warn, or censure. And then what happens? Immediately the demon comes out. St. Matthew just told us this boy was healed from that very hour. That's the word uh, therapeuthe again there, root word of our English therapeutic. And the Greek says literally from that very hour. Why do you think it says that? I think it says that because everyone around this boy, everyone from his town, they remembered a before and an after with him. The, the before was this uncontrolled possessed behavior, like, like something from the movie Exorcism of Emily Rose, but literally worse than that because St. Matthew said it was throwing him into fires, throwing him into water, making him foam at the mouth, and then St. Luke, as I said, for this exact same section, Father Lapide says it's definitely the same boy, Uh, This demon shattered him physically, even bruised him. But the after, as in this after meeting Jesus, um, he's totally normal and he's totally healed. Why? Because Jesus is God and this boy belongs to Jesus, not to the demons. Christ has reclaimed not just his brother, but his own creation. The last two verses, 19 and 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Now notice they privately why does it say the word privately in saint matthew there well i don't know father lapide didn't say but probably so as not to scandalize the onlookers that these apostles didn't have the faith required of jesus's own ambassadors yet they were called to be jesus ambassadors and they just didn't have the faith yet they said why could we not cast it out and by the way the word is ekbalane there in the infinitive form is uh which is to eject actually it's quite a visual to eject a demon and jesus answers because of your little faith and actually the word pistis is there too, but there's a different prefix the prefix than the um, alpha privative there. The prefix, it's only one word with the pistis there, but the prefix um, to that word is oligo, meaning little. So it's actually little faith as one word in the Greek. Um, so notice they don't just have a faith that is little. They have a little faith as in one word, kind of a funny insult from Christ to the apostles. They have a little faith as, as one single word. Um, it's not a no faith. Like, it's not the uh, apistos, totally faithless. It's not as bad as the generation around them. Uh, But they have little faith. And here's where Christ um, shows what they will have one day, what they will have after Pentecost. Listen closely. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Now, I always thought that was small faith also. Um, But we just heard that wasn't enough. So let's listen to Father Lapide here. First, he says on page 172, This is a miraculous faith, which is not different from justifying faith as the heretics maintain. He means the Protestants. But at the same time, these two, in other words, these two faiths have to exist at the same time, justifying faith and miraculous faith. For there's only one faith, as we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. This faith, however, is united with a sure confidence in God's assistance to perform the miracle which is aimed at. This confidence arises first from the liberty of a holy conscience, which is familiar with God, which makes use of God as a friend and penetrates into the treasures of his grace that it may enjoy them. According to the words of 1 John 3, verse 21, Beloved, if our hearts do not reprehend us, we have confidence towards God, and and whatsoever we shall ask, we shall receive of him. Thus says Father Lapide, St. Dominic obtained from God whatever he asked. Father Lapide continues, Faith as a grain of mustard seed, that is, faith small in appearance, but of remarkable virtue and efficacy. Humble faith, which boasteth not itself, and therefore small in man's judgment, but lively, sharp, forceful, perfect, and burning like a mustard seed. See, I thought for the longest time reading about a faith as small as a mustard seed, it just meant kind of any slow and sloppy faith. (laughs) But Father Lapide made it clear that it's not... Of um, faith that is uh, that is slow and sloppy, it's only small in man's judgment, but lively, sharp, forceful, perfect, and burning like a mustard seed before God. So that small faith isn't is not saying any weak faith can move mountains. It's actually a very strong faith, but it's humble. In fact, he he points to literally a saint who's on the old calendar, not on the new calendar anymore. His name's uh, Saint Gregory the Wonderworker. Father Lapide says, this faith shone brightly in St. Gregory, Bishop, Neo, Bishop of Neo-Caesarea. For when a mountain stood in the way of his building a church, by his prayers, he removed it to another place. See Nissen in his life in Eusebius, Book 7, History, Chapter 25. He performed many other miracles, and hence he received the, names, the name of Thaumaturgus, which is Greek for wonder worker. And by the way, that is in the old divine office. That's not just some legend from devotion it's in the old divine office that saint gregory the wonderworker literally moved a mountain with his faith so as to clear the land for the making of a church and then as we wrap this up christ says and nothing will be impossible for you there's an there's another alpha privative there but it's in front of the word dunamis which is the root word of our english dynamite almost we could translate in a very dynamic way to be almost like nothing will be undynamited for you with a faith that is as father lapide said lively sharp forceful perfect burning like the mustard seed and small only in appearance before man but notice before god this faith has to be remarkable in virtue and efficacy nothing will be undynamited for you with a faith that is that small and powerful And it is what the apostles had after Pentecost. But notice, Pentecost also came after nine days of fasting. So faith is both proven and increased by fasting. Hence, Christ says today, but this kind, as in this type of demon, but this kind of demon never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Father Lapide makes the point. We'll wrap this up. He says, Read the lives of many saints and you will discover that almost none of them distinguish themselves by miracles except those who abstain and led an austere life. And then finally, Father Lapide says, Christ does not require prayer and fasting in both the person who works the miracle and in him for whose benefit the miracle is wrought, but in him only who works the miracle. Yet, there can be no doubt that prayer and fasting on the part of the recipient greatly aid in the working of the miracle. Please say an hour, Father, for me, at benedictio de nepotentis patris sephiri et spiritus santi, descendet super vos et manet semper. Amen.